Well, hello and welcome back to the Well After Hours. I'm your host, Beverly Allen. And in 2022, we started off the year with conversations that centered around health care, self-care, and wellness. And you know, we want to echo that message throughout this year because it is such a relevant and critical conversation, particularly in Black and Brown communities. And today we're going to have a fantastic, knowledgeable, informational conversation with my special guest, Miss Rosalind Parchment, a Christian professional healthcare. Thank you so much for coming to the well, Rosalind. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm a little nervous, but I'm happy to be here. Nursing is my life and I enjoy it. I'm a registered nurse. I'm doing per diem work right now, but for many years I worked at NYU Medical Center as a nurse, a nurse recruiter, and I've done home health care in New Jersey. And the most recent thing I've done was during COVID, give out um, COVID vaccinations and COVID testing uh, for agency up until March. So right now I'm just regrouping, uh, getting ready for the next assignment. I work with children during COVID, uh, children that were sent home with diseases where their parents couldn't, put, couldn't take care of them alone. So children with trach and vents, children with G-tubes for feeding, uh, all kinds of issues, whatever children had at their home. And um, that was a blessing until the Lord switched me over to uh, working in a clinic for COVID testing and vaccination and education of the community. And um, I love people. So that's what I do. I'm always with people, helping them. That is so awesome. And not only that, I mean, not only you're only a healthcare professional, but you are a deaconess. Oh, yes. <laughs> in your church. I mean, I've known you for many years and your parents as well. And you know both sides. Having been a nurse, you were in nursing for how many years? I've been in nursing since 1983, nonstop. I just took a break to take care of my parents uh, for nine years, but I still worked. But um, the deaconess role came in 2008 um, at Vision of God Family Worship, where Pastor Sharon and Paul Dean were the pastors. And I was part of a um, health ministry as well as a prayer station where you went into the community and you prayed for people and, and introduced them to Christ. And also the health ministry is where we had uh, sites where we went and we talked to the culture in the community, which was African-American and Hispanic. We did blood pressure screenings, uh, talked about the cholesterol, diabetes testings, everything that had to do with that culture we talked about and we helped people improve. And those that didn't listen, they ended up in hospitals and one person did pass, but it grew strong and it did help people. Um, it was a group of nurses that were members of the church and they would invite uh, community members that they knew at other churches that were nurses and healthcare professionals to talk about all the things that affected us. And it was a beautiful thing. And I'm not with an organization to do that right now. I am under Pastor Sharon Dean in North Carolina, uh, Wake Chapel Church virtually, but I haven't relocated there at this time because it's not my time to be there. But I am a virtual member there at this time. That is so awesome to hear. And, you know, particularly you have such well-rounded experience, not only just in nursing care, but in administration uh, you've just, you know, kind of run yeah. a circle in the industry. And, you know, speaking here, we are just celebrating uh, Juneteenth, you know, uh, a few days ago. And and uh, I was looking online and I ran across this uh, particular program um, that started 
giving me information. Uh, it's, it's CAP, uh, titled CAP. And um, it was online and it was addressing the disparities in the healthcare system, particularly for you know the black and brown community. Yes. And for the viewer's sake, I just want to read something uh, from that for them. Okay. It tells them that the United States uh, is home to stark and persistent racial disparities in health coverage, which we know, and that chronic health conditions, mental health, and mortality is so low. And it says these disparities are not a result of individual or group behavior, but decades of systemic inequality in American economic housing and healthcare systems. And uh, we know that to be you know, a fact for some time. And um, it sheds light on some of the uh, most persistent inequities that are facing African Americans or Black Americans, Hispanic Americans or Latinas, Americans, Asian Americans, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander Americans and American Indians and Alaskan Natives. And that alleviating health disparities will require a deliberate and sustained effort to address social uh, detriments of health, such as poverty, segregation, environmental degradation, and racial discrimination. Boy, we've got a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. Well, I can speak to some of that. As an administrator in the hospital, I recruited nurses and I work with nursing administration at NYU Medical Center. But being that I get to go a lot of places, I know what goes on in New Jersey as well as New York and even in, in the state of Maryland. Um, healthcare disparities are real and true. The more money you have, I believe the better healthcare you have. And that's really written, but just from my experiences, um, people tend to go to the doctor and they don't ask questions that they should ask. So you have to be proactive. That's an article you sent me that I'm speaking to as well. Um, the number one cause of disease in African-Americans is heart disease. And that's not just your uh, hypertension. That could be um, um, arterial sclerosis of your veins. It could be uh, angina. It could be so many things that uh, kill, kill women in general. I just had my notes here that I wanted to turn yes. to. Um, some of the things that you, if a person were to go to their primary doctor um, or emergency room doctor, reactive care is emergency room doctor, proactive is going to your primary care, and you find out you have an issue with your heart. Well, you need to listen to what the doctor says, but you also need to be proactive. And what else do I do to prevent things from happening? And sometimes because we don't have the money to pay co-pays and um, the full fee at emergency service, it's so important for us to have health care insurance, whether you have your, your jobs, health care insurance, or you have uh, the government, as long as you have some type of health care insurance. So um, the, one of the articles you shared with me was reactive. Say I have a uh, ear infection, my ear is hurting and I don't know why it's hurting me and it's connected to my tonsils, my throat is sore. You go to an urgent care center at, or the ER, you pay that high fee at the ER and they can give you something for it, but it doesn't cure it. If you don't have the knowledge to know to, con to continually seek an ENT doctor or to go back to your primary doctor and say, I have an ear infection, um, and my tonsils were inflamed. What do I need to do to prevent this? Not just eating right and exercising and drinking a lot of water, but are my tonsils so ingrown that I need them removed? Do I have um, something called otitis media um, in my station tubes, in my neck, in my ear that's being filled up and I don't know how to control it? Well, if you talk to them and not just take what they say, you do your research and then you go in and see them um, and with your questions. Um, 
I go for my annual physical. I know to get all types of blood work done. This year, my doctor didn't ask, didn't even get do all the blood work that I needed to be done. I had to tell him. I had to tell him I needed this. I needed this instead of having um, for the uh, I need to have the pneumonia test, TB test. I don't do the one where you get checked and you got to go get back. I do the blood work one where I can find out in two days what's going on with me, so I don't have to have an X-ray or anything. You have to to know these things. You have to be proactive and asking these questions so that you can have a healthy life. And that's proactive health care. And so because of, for example, with financial care, if you have a health care plan, most urgent care centers are owned by the insurance companies that you may use. For example, United Healthcare owns many urgent care centers at the Jersey Shore. If I choose to go, instead of going to my doctor, um, it's only going to cost me $40. But if I go to the emergency room for the same thing, it's going to cost $150. So you have to know your insurance and your insurance plan. And there are nurses and, and medical assistants and physical assistants on the phone for many of the insurance companies that will help you, direct you in care. They'll let you know ahead of time, if my doctor orders an ultrasound, are you gonna pay for that? And you can find out. And if they're gonna pay a copay, then you can find out. Healthcare access is for everyone. Everybody doesn't have the knowledge of it because it is for everyone. It's Medicaid, Medicare, and all those insurances that Obama put out and plus insurance with your company. So I hope I answered a little bit of your question. Oh, definitely. And, you know, in fact, I was going to even ask you if you would kind of just kind of separate or explain the uh, steps of being reactive as opposed to being and being proactive. Okay. Well, basically what I, what I've read and what I know about reactive is that, um, you're, you're not, you're only going to the doctor when you're sick, something arises, an occasion arises, and you're going to figure out what it is, be it a, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, or a primary care facility, or just going to an urgent care facility. You're not taking care of, um, my mom had hypertension, I may have hypertension, what are the things I need to do? We're proactive you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to have a baseline. You're going to know what your height, your weight, and what your blood status looks like. You're going to know all the things. They should ask you, what did your mother have? What did your father have? What, did, what are your brothers living with? Who's dead? What did they die from? Because then they'll look at the baseline. Like we had uh, diabetes in our family. I'm borderline, but it's, I've never gone up to the point where um, it's a danger to me. So I pay attention to that. I ask questions, not just because I'm a nurse. I tell my brothers and my cousins when they go and just people that I meet, you have to know um, what to look for when you go to a doctor. For example, I have a friend who's a pastor I talked to on Father's Day who told me he was going to have a PET scan. I was like, why are you having a PET scan? Well, I'm overweight. And the doctor says um, he wants, to, I didn't pass the, uh, what do you, the stress test. So I looked it up and I sent him information. I said, the PET scan is to find out if you really had a heart attack. He said, the heart attack? I said, yeah, because you could have had a mild heart attack, but the doctor didn't explain because you didn't know and you didn't ask, tell me what a PET scan is. You're just going to go because that doctor said for you to go. You need to know why. Why am I going for a PET scan? What do I need to do to prepare myself when I go? So that same thing with the MRI. How many people know that when you go for an MRI, your body may be in a small little place, a little tunnel up to your neck, or if it's for your head, up to your head? That's a scary thing. So you have to ask the question. So being um, 
Proactive, which is something that I agree with wholeheartedly, is knowing your health insurance plan, knowing what they cover. They cover OBGYN visits, uh, chiropractor visits. Uh, if you have a regular primary, sometimes you don't need a um, referral and you can set up a cardiologist visit, ENT. Come on, I, I had an issue in 2020 with my heart racing. And my doctor says, oh, that's just your asthma accident. It wasn't good enough for me. So I found a cardiologist. Cardiologist said my cholesterol was a little high. He didn't just throw me a pill. He yelled and screamed about, well, what are you eating? He did a whole history of my eating habits wow. and they weren't good. They weren't good. And he told me the things that I need to do to eat properly and lose weight and exercise, do more. And it brought my cholesterol level down without having to go on medications for anything. So you have to ask the question and you have to look for Another, if you, the doctor says, oh, your, your heart is beating, I'm having angina, and he's a primary doctor, and he doesn't give you just those appellates, you, you want to know what that EKG says. You want to know what my future looks like, because one of the main things that Black women and, and Hispanic women have is hypertension and those silent diseases of the heart that take us out that we don't even know about. So, Wow. That is said, boy, I'm telling you that it, you you just really <laughs> gave us a yeah. master class. So I got to let you know this. In black women, we have heart disease. That's 23 percent. This is a report from 2016. Things that kill us. Yeah. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes. Those are the first four. And guess what number five is now? Dementia and Alzheimer's. I recently lost a person my age to Alzheimer's. What? Instead of it being one in five, it's going to be like one in three. Um, unintentional injuries, accidents, or um, abusal, where you're in a relationship where someone is abusing you, that kills us. Chronic respiratory diseases, um, kidney disease, septicemia. Um, so, for example, if, if an older person has a urinary tract infection and it's not checked, and the children or, or the healthcare professional says they're confused and, and they're not talking like they're normally, they're not eating. Well, guess what's happening? Septicemia is setting in and it kills us. It hits every body, every organ in our body and it takes us out and it happens like that. And if you're, if you don't, if the doctor says my mom has UTI, urinary tract infection, you need to make sure it's totally out of their body, that they're on lots of fluids, they're hydrated, they have to be on antibiotics to get rid of that because it will kill your loved one, it will kill you. Septicemia knows no age at all. And the last one is again, hypertension. Um, heart disease and hypertension are two separate ones because heart disease um, is blood clots, it's uh, vessel problems that we don't know about. Um, for example, we eat a lot of fatty foods and things high in cholesterol, and it makes our arteries that's supposed to be clear, it like clogs them up. But we don't know that until something happens. So um, my cardiologist taught me that there are tests that we can take in uh, radiology where they can actually look into your veins without dye and see how much um, fatty tissue you have there that's clotting, because he wants me to live. He said, do you want to live? I was like, yes. He says, well, we're going to continue to look at everything um, that your parents may have had, your grandmother may have, because a lot of people in my family had hypertension, um, blood clots. Um, and so those things I have to pay attention to. So those are the things that affect um, African-American. And I wrote down the things that affect Hispanic women. One second, let me just turn that page. Cancer, number one, mm -hmm. who would have thought? For Hispanic women, and this, these, this research is from 2016. Heart disease, number two for them, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, 
unintentional injuries, diabetes, chronic and lower respiratory. We're talking about congestive heart failure and um, emphysema and um, asthma, chronic liver disease because of things that they may eat, kidney disease, and influenza and pneumonia. That affects that community because of their lifestyle um, on, on average of how they live. And 22, 22.1% of Hispanic women die of cancer. But they don't know to go get checked for this. It's not enough to just get a breast exam. Uh, you have to have a gynecologist that you can talk to and tell them your family history so that you can encourage them to look at everything in their body to run. They know what blood tests to run. They know what um, MRIs and imaging things to do if you really need to have an MRI. Or they know uh, ultrasound. Women can have an ultrasound of their pelvis done. Um, we can have an ultrasound done of our abdomen, of our lower back, for our kidneys. And that will show one of my relatives recently had a lot of back pain, but her, yet her stomach was bloating. And I was like, mm -mm, it's not your back. You have to go to your gynecologist, tell them to do a pelvic ultrasound or MRI of your back and your front. She had six tumors in her, in her fallopian tubes that were like the size of oranges. And that's what was causing her back pain. Wow. So you have to talk to somebody or do your research and then take that research that you found on Google or a professional website for women's health. And you talk to your physician about it because sometimes they're tired too. And they're not giving us the best that they should be. I've been with my primary for 21 years. And the last visit I had in April, I was so disappointed because he didn't do all the things he's supposed to do. And I had to share with him, you need to check my ear. I had otitis media in February. I haven't been back to the ear, nose, and throat or nurse practitioner. You need to look into it because there are different colors that are in your eardrum that let people know right away what this is, what's going on. Um, you need to tell them what type of blood work you need done more than a CBC, which is a general. But if you're a person prone for certain things, you need to remind them, this is what I need done. Because as a woman, you don't always have to go to a gynecologist or obstetrician um, for everything. Your, your primary should be able to fulfill some things, but then you do need to see your obstetrician um, and OBGYN person, gynecologist, if you're having female issues. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're having, I don't know if some men are listening, but say you're uh, having, you're dropping spot, spotting, I'll put it that way. Yes. More than if you're, say you're in menopausal area, more than what you have normally done, even when you were had your menstrual, that's a sign that you may have fallopian tubes, you may have a tumor, you may have something in your uterus that shouldn't be there that needs to be scraped out. And those are early signs of cancer. I'm not trying to scare anybody, no, but, but I am trying to scare you to take a look at your lifestyle. I had a friend that was doing that and she told me, I said, call your doctor now, get off the phone with me, make an appointment. She had stage one of ovarian cancer because she had been bleeding, but she's fine now, she's better. But if you can catch it, that's why you have to go wow. to your primary or a nurse practitioner and do proactive health care because you don't want to just show up one day with prostate cancer because something was happening, but you don't want to go. I find that the men in my family are very stubborn and most of them don't want to. My father had prostate cancer. So you want, he didn't die from that, but he had it. So if your dad had it and you have five boys, then you need to Make sure you do your checkups and have everything done that you're supposed to have done so that one day when you're 50, you find out you're in stage four and there's nothing they can do. But if the doctor, that's why they ask our history, because they want to stay on top of whatever happened in your family. Yes, as Christians, we pray, we come against generational curses, but along with praying and come against it, proactive health care is, is there to help.
Listen, I always say, I always say the scriptures say faith without works is dead. It's dead. <laughs> so just because you have faith doesn't mean you don't have a part to play in it, you know? <laughs> and we remember who created medicine, spitting in the ground, take it. So he created me to help people in healthcare and he created doctors to help us with the medicine. So, and, and you know what, you brought up another issue too. I'm glad you addressed the part towards men, you know, because there are things they need to look for. Like you said, there's, you know, prostrate colonoscopies. Men don't like to go for colonoscopies. You know, you have to kind of force them, push them, you know, beg them to go, but you know, early detection of things. There's no reason in a sense for anyone to really die from colon cancer. No, if you are going for your normal, regular, you know, because yes, there's a rule that you're supposed to go at a certain age, you're supposed to go every other year, just like with the pap smear, people in the over 55 and those every two years. Yes. But also with the colonoscopy, because I hate taking it, there's two things you could do. You can go to uh, get a kit called a coloplast. Right, and that coloplast right. is a sample of your stool. And if you don't want to do that and you want to go to the regular doctor for him, to, he or she to examine you, you can go to a health center and have, um, it's called, a, I forgot the name of it, but it flushes out your kidney with water. Yeah. It's in wellness centers. Yeah. It takes everything oh, out of you. Yeah. And so by the time you go to, when it's time for your exam, you're cleaned out. A colonic? Yes, and those work. If you don't want to take the medicine and drink that nasty medicine that goes down to clean you out, you can go have that done. It's going to cost you a little bit, but it cleans you out. And then when you go have your colonoscopy, if you're awake when they do it, you can see the intestines. You can see if there's any polyps there. They'll take the test of polyps. But if you've had a history of colon cancer in your family, you need to get it checked out. Uh, yeah, you need to get it checked out. Uh, yeah, and and it it really takes no time. You feel nothing. You're you're there. You're in. You're out. I just had my regular, <laughs> regular yeah. one, and uh, I'm just glad to get it so that yeah. I know and can stay up on these things. And you have to because even though there's no history in my family, I still have to do it for myself because I want to live longer on this earth until he until he says it's time to go home. Because there's work for us to do. There's so yeah. much work for us to do. Yeah, and it and- is. It is. That's so true. And we can do it better when we're in health. Yes. You know? And and why not live? There's things we want to do. We want to raise our children. We want to see our grandchildren, great grandchildren, if possible. And, you know, it's so much. That's why I said I really want to echo this message throughout 2022, because you want to make everybody continuously aware you know, of what's going on. You have to be responsible for yourself. Yes, you said being, you have to be. being proactive you know, as you have referenced, you know, numerous times and in our conversations about making sure, like you had to tell your doctor certain things, you know, Uh, I've changed doctors because I didn't feel like they were addressing things. I'm more telling them what I need to have done than them telling me. Exactly. But you're being proactive and you're telling them. The virtual doctor visits I had to use during COVID when I had an issue and it it was good, but they're not really... Like all they can do is see you and look look at you and talk to you and charge you $35 for that visit. But the hands-on, when I'm in an office, sometimes it makes us feel better, but there's more things that they can do. So if you have to do it virtual, do it. But it's best to do your annual in the doctor's office, uh, gynecological exam, um, private physicians, for example, the specialties, you need to have that done. And as well as the dentist, 
Many times we have infections in our mouth and we don't understand that whatever is in our mouth, if it's not taken care of, it goes to the muscle around our heart called the pericardium and it can cause a heart attack. I've lost a good friend because we didn't years ago because nursing wasn't putting dentistry together. But at NYU, um, when I was in graduate school, they put the school of dentistry and nursing together so that we can understand and teach people. It's very important to have your teeth clean, to have fillings done, to have abscess taken care of, because that's not a point of health that a, people, a lot of people talk about. And it's very important. I just had to throw that in. Oh, I'm you get sick and you don't know how it'll affect every area in your body every area. I'm so glad you did throw that in. And you know, um, what I'm going to ask you about uh, giving us some steps that we can um, take maybe, <laughs> you know, to, to progressively, you know, deal with uh, our self-care and health care. Okay. I, I have something down. Oh, okay. I want to, I want to take a, a break just to give uh, the viewers a little glimpse into your, you know, your career and see some of the things that you've done in nursing. And uh, we have a clip that we wanna share with you. Okay. <laughs> about um, our dear guest today, Rosalind Parchman and her career in nursing and why she is such a qualified and esteemed guest on The Well today. And we'll be right back. Okay. I know you enjoyed seeing uh, the glimpse into uh, Rosalind's nursing life and some of the accolades that she even received for, uh, you know, her, her consistency and her dedication and her passion. And, and Rosalind, I know that you had some more things you wanted to share um, with the viewers. And I so appreciate uh, oh, yes. the informative manner in which you're, you know, giving this presentation to people because we really, really desperately need it. As and I hope I'm a be I will be a blessing to people and help educate our community. Um, speaking of proactive health care, I'm just going to read something that was written by this article. Proactive health care is a commitment between a provider and a patient where both parties take on an active role in managing the patient's health to keep the patient healthy. So with that said, your, your provider is going to do um, a certain portion, 25%, but 
is our responsibility. So I wrote down some things that I think that we have well, we have to look at um, and being more proactive, you have to eat healthy and you have to exercise. And when I say eat healthy, I'm talking about the four basics food, food groups where you have the vegetables and you have your grain and you have your protein and your milk products. And there's a certain amount that you can eat. And we all know this, but we really don't do it. So I encourage you to, to look up books online or, or uh, Google things like the Mediterranean diet. Uh, Mediterranean, there are four countries in this world where the people live to be 100, the Lomi Linda people in California, wow. they're all vegetarian. Uh, some places in um, Greece, like um, Mykonos and um, Athens and some other areas, I just can't mention their name right now, but meat is not their main priority. When we cook meals, we center meat is the main dish and then all the side dishes around. <laughs> but for example, in Mykonos, they, they are thinking about what vegetables and potatoes that they're having with their food and grains and wow. beans. And then a little piece of lamb will be on your plate or so, you know, savaki or chicken where we were taught in America, we're building Thanksgiving around the turkey and the ham and, and all this stuff. But we have to kind of change our way of eating in order to be healthy. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to encourage you to take the time out and look at what you eat and, and write it down for five days. And then take a look at um, a healthy uh, menu that you can find online that tells you how many portions you should eat. That will change your life by eating, taking out a lot of red meats and eating more fish and more chicken. And then there's certain types of fish that you really shouldn't be eating either. So you'll have to go online and look for these things. So I'm just highlighting a healthy meal, exercising from the basic food groups, and then I'm going to ask you to establish a baseline of your health problems. Um, what are the things that are, are ailing you at this time in your life? And what are the things that have caused illnesses from your grandmother to your mother to your sisters and brothers? You need to make sure you know what your height is, uh, what your weight is, because you can start you can start getting bloated and you don't know why you're being bloated. What fluid is being retained in my legs? Why is fluid being retained? I don't have a great blood flow in my veins to my legs. And if I'm diabetic, I have to pay attention to that because it can cut off the flow to my toes. And then what happens? They become necrotic and I have to get toes cut off or legs amputated or body parts. Um, so you need to know what your blood pressure is. You know, have your hearing checked because people lose their hearing. Sometimes you're on a certain medication like level thyroxine. And if you don't take it daily, you hear ringing in your ear. And you're like, why is that ringing in my ear? And you go to a neurologist when you really just need to tell your doctor the symptoms that you're having so that they can know. And, and while I'm there, what's important to know is the side effects of all the medications that you're on. Because sometimes those things really happen to you. Um, you need to have your a neural check so you know if you're cognitive or not. Your, your primary can do that. Uh, an eye exam because we have cataracts and glycoma and we don't always know it. Our parents may have had it, but you should go for a regular eye exam every year. If you're a female, well, you are females I'm talking to, follow up with your OBGYN, um, have your annual check if you need to have that, uh, cardiologist, neurologist if needed, any specialties, uh, check your insurance plan to make sure that they are covering office visits, urgent care visits, and emergency room visits. If you have to do virtual, do virtual. But being proactive, you save, your company saves money by having patients constantly every year versus reactive. They only come in when they're sick. But a company that really 
cares about their patients, they're going to send out communications to you to remind you that um, this is time to come in and have your annual. But the insurance company is going to send out things for people that are in like, like groups. Here's a meal plan that we're doing for people in hypertension. United Healthcare does this. There's exercises that you can go to. We pay for a certain classes and all those things are with your insurance plan that you can find out to help keep yourself proactive by just checking with your providers, you know, things of that nature. So I hope that helps some. Oh my goodness. That helps tremendously. Wow. I, that is just so awesome. I had made reference to, uh, 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 article, and I just wanted to let people know it was CAP, the Center for American uh, Progress. Okay. And um, uh, there were so many, there's so many statistics, some some things that after a while I read so many, I just want to put it down and not read yes. them anymore yes. because we already know how bad things really are, but we can turn the tide, you know, with mm-hmm. different things. And I, sometimes I know there are a lot of people, which is also part of the systemic racism and things that uh, exist, don't have health care, yes. uh, can't afford so many different things, you know, health care, the, the level of health care that they may want or need, which is really why we need to be so proactive in how we eat, what we eat, you know, to take care of our our bodies as much as possible. Right, and sometimes um, people of low economic status that don't speak the American language won't seek out um, in healthcare. And um, so community health programs that are in their communities, people have to be proactive and help them get to the right sources and the right funds. And there are people out there in the public doing, I don't know of uh, said groups to name right now, mm-hmm. but uh, some churches offer those things some public health departments, you'll see them in like the summers here now, you'll see people uh, pushing health at job fairs, health fairs, Mm -hmm. and you encourage people to go. But I know people are afraid Mm -hmm. because they don't speak the language, number one, that's a big barrier. So, Yeah, that is, it is. But uh, as you you had stated too, there are a lot of churches, that's a good place to start because usually somebody there can direct you to where you can go get the information if Mm -hmm. they don't have it necessarily themselves and who also speak, you know, the language somewhat too. So uh, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, can be done, but I really thank you for this time that you have shared with us because you shared so much (laughs) in this short period of time. That is fun. It's been fun. I'm glad to be, I'm glad I was available to um, help you in any way. You can call on me, anybody that needs anything that I said today, to uh, further discuss it or to speak with a group, I'm free to do so. That is, I, that was going to be my next question because we're going to put all of your information up so that, you know, they, if anyone wants to contact you, maybe to invite you to their church or their organization, you know, to help, you know, promote the awareness on, on their healthcare and how to navigate through this healthcare, you know, system. Right. Cause it's not real easy and some people need help with it. Yeah. We definitely are willing to help with that. We definitely do. So, uh, Rosalind, I thank you. This has been invaluable time. It seemed to have gone so fast. I know. (laughs) And Goldie didn't bark. I know. (laughs) Thank you, God. Yes. But we got to have you back again. This has been such a blessing. And I know, viewers, you were blessed. So, and before I close out, if there's any last, you know, remarks or comments that you would like to, you know, share with the viewers, and then I'm going to ask you to close this out in prayer. 
Okay. Um, something that's real important because I am a Christian and I'm a nurse. When you read the scriptures, you have to apply it to your life because everything that we need to help cure ourselves is in the word of God. His word, starting with Genesis to Revelations, has medicine in it that's healing power. Yes, we go to the doctor and yes, we tell people this and that, but there is one person who bore our sins on the cross, our sicknesses and everything. And that's who you talk to first. That's who you talk to first and he will guide you. He'll do, even if he sends you to a doctor or whatever, so you can get people to pray for that particular issue. Put him first and read his word. And that alone is life. That is life it's in itself. Oh yes. my goodness. Wow. Yes. I tell you that this has been just tremendous. And I thank you for that. And I'm going to ask you, would you close us out in prayer? Yes. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Beverly D. Allen. We thank you for the work that she's doing to educate us and to enlighten us, Lord. We thank you for using her as your angel, Lord God, to speak to your people and offer hope and education. Father God, there is none like you and we appreciate you. We honor you for what we've done. May the words that we said go to the ear gates, the eye gates, and the mouth gates of the people that heard. And may they be able to distribute whatever program Beverly has to others to help the nations. We ask these things in your name, for you are great, you are high and lifted up, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you so much. And thank you for having me. Oh, a pleasure. Oh, you will be back. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you thank so you. much. I think I look forward to having you. I love again. you with the love of the Lord. I love you too, sis. Okay, bye everybody. No, don't go yet. Don't oh, I thought you wanted me to go. Yet. No, no, I don't want you to go okay. yet. But viewers will be looking for you next week, same time, same place. It's okay. always uh, that you might come be enlightened, that you might be encouraged and inspired and built up in your most holy faith. And we'll be looking for you next week, same time, same place. Until then, stay safe and well. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,